I mean, we don't actually know exactly what what this modern committee system is going to look like. That would have to be something that is developed over time. We, you know, we don't know exactly the details of what it would look like, but we do know that the the leader of the council inevitably becomes accountable to that small group of councillors that elected them, rather than to the citizens of the city as a whole, and and. And that, that is the worrying thing, is that then their, their decision-making is skewed towards what will please that, that group of councillors who aren't generally representative of the city, let's be honest. I'm Neil Maggs, and this is Bristol Unpacked, speaking to fascinating Bristolians on topics where others may fear to tread. Brought to you by the city's community-owned media, The Bristol Cable. Hello, welcome back to Bristol Unpacked. This is going to be a little bit different as it will in the next three or four episodes because we have a referendum on. Yes, we are going to vote on May the 5th for the future of Bristol's politics. Do we scrap a mayoral system in favour of a committee system or do we keep it? Let's give some context to this. In 2012, Bristol was the only city in the UK to vote for a directly elected mayor. And when I do say Bristol, it wasn't many of us. It was only 24% turnout. 53% voted for the mayor. So what many saw as wasted years of council infighting, wanting strong leadership and overall political control. This was replaced by another form of council infighting, though, um, where people see too much control and too much leadership in the hands of Mayor George Ferguson and now Mayor Marvin Rees. So the opposition councillors from the Greens, the Lib Dems and the Tories all banded together to secure a referendum to decide what we do. And the vote is A, we keep the system and people supporting it say it's vital to getting stuff done and having recognisable leadership across the country and internationally. Opponents say it's fundamentally undemocratic too much power in the hands of one person and councillors are being ignored. Other people want to vote for the committee system where councillors will be heard and there will be proportional representation on committees and they say that power and decision-making will be kind of devolved and will be shared. Critics say this will lead to complete deadlock, no clear leadership, no decision-making. There is some different positions in different political parties though that we need to add that. A big question remains, does anyone really care? Not many people are talking about this on the doorstep, but it does matter because your city and your community will be affected because, in effect, how power is wielded and money spent will be decided. So, you can find out all about all this if you listen to us. Also, the cable will be doing other kind of things related to the mayoral referendum. But for now... Have a listen, make your mind up. Hopefully it will be interesting, hopefully a bit entertaining and it will shed some light on what you might decide to do on the referendum on May the 5th. In this episode, we talk to somebody who's been put forward by the mayoral team. It's the Hillfield councillor, Ellie King, cabinet member with responsibility for public health and communities. It was formerly the Labour cabinet for One City, which is a new system in the city that brings together all different organisations from different sectors, which some people think is great and others think is an undemocratic parallel council. We talk to her about her position and why she believes that keeping the mayor is the best thing for Bristol.
you were the cabinet for one city plan that's partly for, for talking to you but i know that remit's now gone to the mayor but, but you know that wasn't long ago so we can still talk about that and also for communities and public health that's correct yeah i'm, I'm still very happy to uh, talk about one city though it's something i'm very passionate about um but yes public health and communities so it's quite why, why was that removed from you just out of interest or, or why was that taken on by the mayor it was just part of the reshuffle. I think it's quite intrinsically linked to to Marvin. I think he's very passionate about it. I think he's um, spearheaded it, and um, is you know is a, is a firm believer in what it can achieve. And I also think it was a uh, a capacity issue. That the brief is for communities and public health is a huge remit. Covers an awful lot of things. You know, you've got everything from um, mental health. Uh, to the voluntary community, social enterprise sector, to libraries, to parks and green spaces, to events and carnivals and um, uh, environmental health, I think is coming my way as well soon. And uh, and uh, safer Bristol partnerships as well. It's a huge uh, portfolio. So um, it's big enough with just the two. Sure. Um, we'll, part, we'll part one, one, one city um, uh, stuff um, for now and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. A, a bit later, and this year, I just want to read out um, the kind of official line. I guess this is this is which you retweeted yourself uh, a few days ago. This is the official line from uh, the mayor, Mayor Marvin Rees, uh, on Twitter. All of Bristol can either back or sack an elected mayor. You can't choose a leader under a system of endless committees. May's referendum risks taking a vote away from three thousand four hundred Bristolians registered to vote by midnight. Um, that presumably would be your view as well. Yes, absolutely. I think um, for me, it's it's taken away a layer of your democracy, your democ- democratic right. Everyone in Bristol has the right to uh, vote for their mayor. And if they don't think they're doing a good job, they don't have to vote for them again. In a committee system, you elect your councillors in, in the same way that you um, elect in a mayoral system, but it is the councillors who will select the council leader and and not the people of Bristol. And for me, that's taken away a layer of democracy that I don't want to see taken away from the people of Bristol. I don't. And that's think- been the line, hasn't it? Is that, that there's? I think that I think again, this may have been coming from. It certainly was coming from the mayor office, if not, if not directly from from Mayor Marvin Rees. That there's never been a a kind of pro democracy campaign that's removed the vote from somebody. No, no, there hasn't. So you see that as being a hypocrite, being a hypocritical stance, then this whole thing around uh, the mayoral system lacks democracy. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know it's very interesting to see that the Greens, for example, didn't run on a scrap the mayor message in twenty twenty one, and if they, you know, if they were so against this system of governance, why didn't they join the Lib Dems and the Tories in 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 that in that year of, of elections and go with a scrap the mayor message? And Do you think they would have scrapped it if they'd won? Or no. wanted to scrap it if they I won? Think, I think quite clearly they wouldn't have scrapped it if they won. I think if their candidate had been successful, who, by the way, continues to advocate for a mayoral system. Yeah, he does, yeah. He, they wouldn't have, have done this because they would have been in power and they would have um, had no reason to. And Do, you say, Do you have sort of more respect then for Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives that at least there's some degree of consistency there? No, not with the Conservatives um, because... On a national level, um, they they advocate for mayoral systems. They've made it quite clear in the levelling up white paper. But as um, Watson, when I interviewed him, yeah, he was he was in favour of getting rid of it locally. 
yeah, but it's not consistent with their national policy at all. And I think it's more, you know, reflective of their influence in in local government. If they, again, if they were a majority party, I'm pretty sure that they would be supporting the mayoral system as well. It's all about a ploy for power. So, th- so yeah, that, that's my next question, really. So, do you feel this is essentially um, opposition parties playing sort of politics, and this is really about trying to wrestle back control? I think mostly it is. Yeah. I think, um, I think there is, uh, there's an awful, I think there's a lot of things going on with it. I think, uh, the national story and what, what's happening there has left, has led to a lot of distrust in local politics and politics in general. I think politics is thought of as a really dirty word and, uh, and that's a, a, you know, I, I think that's a very upsetting, uh, reality that we live in. We just, so I think that there's a sense of that being, filtered through to local politics as well. And I think people capitalize on that, especially in the Twitter sphere. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think mostly it is a ploy for power and, and for greater power. Because they're unlikely to, to win a mayoral election, certainly Liberal Democrats. So this is their way of being able to have greater, uh, greater say. Um, what, what, one thing that I am interested in is, um, are, you, are, you, are you happy or unhappy that this has come to a referendum? I'm not happy at all. This is not how I think the public purse should be used. This is going to cost us in the region of two thirds of a million pounds. And it's also taking up the time. This, well, instead of delivering for the people of Bristol right now, most councillors are out uh, door knocking on this specific issue. And we, we're having to dedicate a lot of time and resource and money to to this rather than getting on with delivering for people of Bristol. But so, uh, the people did the people of Bristol really, really want you know have a great say in in wanting a mayor in the first place. There was obviously only a twenty four percent turnout, and fifty three percent of those voters, um, <clears throat> excuse me, voted in favour. So it was never really a strong mandate anyway. So what's wrong with revisiting it? You know, ten years down the line, uh, and throwing it back to the public. Well, I think 10 years isn't a very long time actually for a whole system to be embedded in. We've only had two mayors so far and we have no idea what the next mayor would be like, what they would look like and what would they would deliver and what party they would be representing. Um, so I don't think um, changing your system of governance every decade is is um, a wise thing to do because I don't think uh, we've had it's democratic chance- though, isn't it? What you said earlier about, you know, you, you know the, the, you, you're a fan of democracy. Sorry, it's democratic, giving people a choice again. Well, we, we we had the choice, and we had it just ten years ago, and 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 we have decided to go with the mayoral system. Um, people voted for our current mayor a second time last year, so he has the democratic mandate to to deliver for for the city of Bristol and to remain the mayor. Um, and if you don't like him uh, or the job that, that that person's doing, then you well, don't he, have he to. He is going to remain the mayor anyway, isn't he? He will remain the mayor for the next two years anyway to the end of his, to, to, to his tenure. So, so I think that's a mute point. I mean, I accept that the, 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 the candidates that stood, uh, the Liberal Democrats got 11% and the Tories got 18% and both of them stood to get rid of the role. And I accept the, the, uh, the, the argument that there was a, a greater majority that voted for candidates that wanted to continue with the mayoral role, you know, the Greens and 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 Labour and the Liberal Democrats were only on 11%, Tories only on 18%. I think that, that's true. But, the, you know, the argument probably is people weren't voting on a single issue to get rid or keep, were they? They were voting on a, a multitude of complexities of issues for who they wanted to represent them as Bristol mayor. Well, do, you no, that? do you accept that? 
Not really. It's a separate vote, isn't it? So you vote for your local councillor and the party that they represent, and then you vote for the mayor as well. It's two separate votes. So um, they have the opportunity to do that or not, or not. and they can they can spoil their ballot if they want. They don't have to vote for the mayor. If they're really against it, then they didn't need to vote for Marvin, but they did. So, and it's, it's, it's quite interesting when we talk to our friends in Europe and, and America as well, who are quite bemused by this election. Um, not only... Well, our, our African American mayors are, are both shocked that you know we we have only we've only got one uh, black mayor in in this country and in Europe, and um, and also that this is what we're choosing to spend our time on rather than dealing with the urgent problems that we've got in this country and in this city, is is we're focusing on this and this is um, you know it's navel gazing in the extreme. But what are you worried about though? I mean, if you're sorry, if you're confident to win, it, it shouldn't matter. Because I think there seems to be a lot of anger on on Twitter and a lot of about uh, uh, you know the fact this has even gone to a referendum. I mean, surely you should be a bit more confident and and go into it thinking, well, you know, we can win this. I hope that we can win it. We'll have to see when we get to the on the day. But it's it's. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm angry. I'm just saying I'm disappointed. And that's and this is how we use our time. It's it's. An, I think it's unfortunate. And I do have to say I'm angry about the the use of public spend in this way. It's it's not. When I've been out door knocking for this referendum so far, the overwhelming response I've had on the door has been one of. Um, indifference uh, not many people have known what it is or what it means and you've literally had to walk them through the basics of what it is that's is being asked of them is and it then, 600 grand or is it or is or is it 750,000 because there's two different figures that have been banded about I don't think we know the exact number that's why yeah. it's in between those two numbers uh, I, I don't know if we'll know that until afterwards which interestingly enough is not that much far off the annual wage um, and your and your wage bracket for the the mayoral team. Okay, on, a, on an annual basis. Okay. So is it you know in the context of that is it such a waste of money? Yeah, absolutely. The mayoral team is a, an essential part of democracy again in this city. When you see how many emails that get sent to the mayor, um, he needs the support to deal with those and to make sure that the people of Bristol get to directly contact their mayor and hear his views and get a response from him and have their issues elevated. Um, so that support team is absolutely essential. I don't think we've allowed enough time for this system. What would to- be enough time for you then? What would be enough time for you? How long? Uh, I don't know, uh, but just, uh, how do I answer 10 that? 10 years, 15 years, 20? When it becomes a, a vocal issue amongst the public and it's and it seems to be the dominant issue from the public, then I would say it needs to be. But if it's just uh, a few, when I see that on the doorstep, that people are super engaged in this issue and that this is one of their priorities, not the cost of living, not the other issues that we need to be dealing with, then that's I would That's interesting, yeah, that, that's interesting. And I, and I put that to, to Alex Hartley, um, who who brought the uh, the motion to the chamber that, and I think it was noted on the Bristol, Bristol Labour Twitter feed that every single person that was at the launch of the Get Rid of the Mayor campaign was either a current councillor or an ex-councillor. And I did say that to him, that <clears throat> is this not just a, is this not something that just politicians are interested in? This is an argument between politicians that the general public don't really care about. Is that your view then? 
it's not just my view, it's my experience on the doorstep. It is. Because he said to me, when I'm on a doorstep, you know, you push back that, I'm, people are saying they want to get rid of it. If you look at the Bristol Live comment section, everyone's moaning about the mayor and all this kind of stuff. And, and seemed to imply that this was something that the public were clamouring for. That's nonsense then. It might be his experience. It certainly is not mine. And I've been going around in all the in many different wards in the city to ask about it and to door knock, and I'll continue to do that. If if it feels like the opposite, then I, I genuinely think I would have a question over whether whether it's a relevant question to be asking. But it certainly isn't my experience so far. And I've spoken to quite a few people from different parties as well. So, so do you blame them? I guess there's the question in this. The person in question is: Do you blame uh, the? Liberal Democrats and the Greens for this situation that we've come to now? As in, as in the fact we're even having to have this vote? Well, the Liberal Democrats brought forward the motion. That was their choice to do Why so. Why do you think they did, though? Because of their ploy for uh, having more say in what happens in, in Bristol. They want, you don't they think want the mayoral state. team, you don't think the mayor and, and people around the mayor or the, the cabinet uh, have played any role in, in getting to this point? Um, they would say you've been relentlessly antagonistic, keen to shut down opposition's views. We've just had a vote with you know twenty two Greens, twenty uh, twenty two Labour. You, you know, there's, there's there's still no representation of councillors in decision making capacity. That they they felt they were shut out and that they were left with no choice. This this is on you guys, surely. So to that, I would say there's been several opportunities throughout the years for for that to be uh, for there to be greater engagement with councillors. And and Marvin quite often talks about not only trust but having trustworthiness. You need to show that you are trustworthy if you want to be brought in, and then there needs to be you know. You need I to agree with him. One city is a good example of that. We did have opposition parties and he did have a rainbow cabinet as well. And there was opportunities for opposition parties to get involved. And then it's been um It didn't last long though, did it? It was gone very quickly, the rainbow no, cabinet. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, that was before my time. So I can't really comment on that from an insider's point of view, um, only from an outsider's perspective, which isn't particularly valid. But um, when. It's politics, though, isn't it, Ellie? That's part of politics is about managing opposition and, and managing, um, you know, uh, different opinions and, and working with people you don't always agree with. Uh, p- politi- politically, this, this mayoral administration has failed to do that. Well, I would say if if that was what we wanted, if we wanted to reform the system and have greater um, say for councillors, then that should have been on the ballot, but it wasn't. And that should have been part of the motion, but it wasn't. Instead, we've been given this binary choice of in and out, this Brexit style you know, referendum. And that's the choice that's been put to people. So there is no opportunity to improve the situation. It's just a case of going back to an old system of governance that we haven't had in decades. I think that's a different point, but, 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 but you know... <sighs> You have no sense of uh, a feeling that you've brought this upon yourselves. No, like you I take said, no, 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 no. There has been no uh, actions or responsibility that's contributed to leading to this point. It's entirely, completely on the opposition parties and councillors. Well, since I've been um, a councillor, and that hasn't been obviously too long, we have had people. Um, involved in, for example, one city, we've invited them to our city gatherings. And then I've seen them use that experience 
where they've seen um, representatives from Greenpeace and representatives from XR talk about the great work that Bristol's doing towards getting towards the net zero. Um, and and then I've seen them take that information and use it on Twitter to say that it's um, that it is a untrustworthy conduit for um, and, and only used by you know the Labour Party in Bristol uh, for Labour Party gain. And I just think that's a, 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 such an abuse of what that convening power of one city can be. And and it's, again, it goes back to that trustworthiness. And so if we give people opportunities to get engaged and and to have a part and, and have a say and have that and join in with that uh, convening power and that culture of collaboration and working towards what's best for our for our citizens um, and then that gets abused, then it's showing a lack of trustworthiness. And how, how much of this, how much of this is, how much of this is um, about uh, a political system or about a, a personal, personal attack or a, a personal vendetta against uh, Mayor Marvin Rees for you? I think uh, a good part of it is, and I think, um, you know, when whenever you go on Twitter and it's not my favourite uh, way of um, being in touch with the citizens of Bristol, but when you do go on it, you see very polarised views and they're nearly always personal about Marvin and they're, and they're nearly almost always talking about him as a personality and him as an individual when he's made it clear that he isn't standing again. We don't know who the next mayor candidates are and we don't know who the next mayor will be or what party they'll be from. So it, it's sort of a, an, an irrelevant argument to make in terms of um, it, making it so personal. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what, um, what in, in, in your eyes, and I think it is, it's effective and what has um, brought some criticism in some circles and, and councillors perhaps feel, having their nose out of joint. It is some of the one city boards, which are cross-sector, bringing together different strands from the business sector, from charities, from education, all together. That is somewhere where uh, the mayor and the mayoral team do have greater trust. Um, but is that not just because they're essentially hand-picked people that agree with you, yes men or yes women? No, they're not. Um, very recently, the the boards, apart from the Health and Wellbeing Board, um, got refreshed and uh, we, we asked for expressions of interest from uh, city partners all over, from, like you said, faith, education, health, um, business and voluntary community and social enterprise sectors. And uh, all their names were taken off the... Um, the EOIs. So it was a, so we didn't know who the, the people were when we, when we shortlisted them. And, and I think there's been a lot of approval across the board for who the new board members are. They're just starting up now again. So it's, it, they've just been refreshed. Um, and it, it absolutely is, it isn't about, uh, you know, who you're personally connected to. It's about who are the, who are the constructive voices in the room who are, who have influence and are able to make real change for this city. When we look at it from a public health perspective, and I've spoken to our director of public health, who's, who just thinks this is an absolutely invaluable resource and a way to convene the city. And that is, for me, one of the most important things about having a mayor, by the way, is that ability to convene um, the voices in the city and on a national and international level as well. But having that... Convene- you're speaking broader. You're speaking to people and you're speaking uh, broader and further out than just the council 
which has often been the criticism of, of, of Bristol for being a bit insular looking. So really, are, are these councillors just pissed off that they're not around the table and that actually their power has been kind of dwindled a bit? Well, with One City, we are in talks with um, uh, an opposition councillor member to see if they, they, they can come in on a, on a level of governance. So, so I there think- are no councillors involved at all in, in what well, opposition councillors involved in the One City um, boards at the moment. Is that correct? On the One City boards, no, but they would need to be so to be a, on a partner on the on the one to, to be on the one in the One City boards. You need to be representative of a large. Um, a section of people with with a specific remit, and um, what's the criteria? So, How are they chosen? Um, they're chosen based based on uh, what organisation you represent and the the scale of people that you represent and uh, your influence and your uh, ability to uh, bring constructive solutions to the city. But who decides it ultimately? Uh, there's a there's a governance board and um and it's the one and city office staff who go through it and and look at the expressions of interest and shortlist them based on um their criteria and how well they fit the criteria. But like I said, the names of the people in, and the individuals are taken off the applications, so it's done anonymously. But they're not voted by the public, are they? And obviously, the public do vote for councillors. So why do we need a, a, a effectively a, a parallel another parallel council? making decisions when we already vote for people that do? It's not a parallel council. The, this, the council is is but one voice in that room. And if you're talking about something like uh, health, you need to bring in your NHS partners and you need to bring in your mental health partners and um, a lot of your uh, uh, charity organisations, et cetera, and the CCGs in order to get a comprehensive view on what's going on and to, to focus on area, priority areas and, and get solutions done. This is the advert bit. Again, if you want to fast forward, please do so. Bristol Cable, we are in need of more members. We want to sustain our public model of ownership and we want to use it to talk about interesting things in the city, controversial things, challenging topics. That's online, this podcast, in the newspaper and events that we do all across the board. So please check out the website and if you want to chuck some money in and become a member of the Bristol Cable, that would be brilliant. Back to the chat. Why is it seen as such a an anti-democratic, I guess really sort of slightly nepotistic thing that they're, they're shut out from, do you think? I don't know. I think that's a question for them, to be honest. I don't know. I don't understand why they say that because I think they don't, to be honest, fully understand it. Which, And we said to them very clearly, anyone who's got in touch with me personally about this, by the way, is zero. You know, when, when I was... Um, uh, when one city was under me, not a single councillor emailed me to ask me if they could come to any of the boards or anything like that. And it's the kind of the same with cabinet engagement. Sorry to segue a little bit, but it's, it's the same with cabinet. When we have cabinet, you get maybe a handful of councillors to turn up and see the key decisions that are being made and questioners on them. And same with the members of the public. Those are your opportunities to fully engage with what's going on. And if you're, you know, if you're serious about wanting to do that, you would turn up to those things. They would be a priority. Maybe it's because they're not in there. You know, it's like anything, isn't it? Things become over kind of hyped and um, allowed to foster, you know, fester and myths get built because they're not there. Maybe they should, maybe we should invite some of them to actually be on the, on the boards. 
well, we don't want an overrepresentation of councillors on the boards. That would be not uh, helpful to what it's supposed to be. And uh, but also, we anyone who has um, expressed cynicism about it, I've said send an email. Ask which board you want to come on, and you can come and witness it. You can come and be anyone can. They can, can they can come and join and just listen and see what the work that's being done there, and then and then make a decision after that. But I'd like to see how many of those councils have actually taken the initiative to get in touch and ask to come to to some of our boards, and because they're you know they're held in public, they're usually in city hall. Health, well, sorry, I'm on the health and wellbeing board, and that is always in city hall. Okay, let's move on from one city, uh, Ellie. I want to just talk about leadership. Uh, you know, having one person being at the helm, I guess, more of a kind of top down uh, model. Uh, it, you know, previous people. Uh, I've interviewed have said have likened the mayoral system to being like North Korea, uh, like oligarchic Russia, Latin American kleptocracy. Um, how helpful is rhetoric like that in this debate? It's not helpful at all. Is it? It's really polarizing language. It doesn't allow for any sort of sophisticated or or developed discussion to happen. It's just about using shocking phrases and shocking references in order to galvanize um public support for this. Hyperbolic, and, yeah, hyperbolic. Dare I say b- bullshit? Yeah, your words, but yeah, I'd agree with you. <laughs> well no, I'm asking you, do you think it is? Yeah, it's well it's inaccurate. Yeah. It's it's it is hyperbolic, it is inaccurate, and it's um it's not doing the people of Bristol any favours by by encouraging that kind of rhetoric as well. It's really divisive, it's really polarizing, and it's really unhelpful, and it does nothing to instill trust in any of our leaders either way and sometimes when you knock on a door and you get the whole and you get the response of "Oh, I'm not voting for any of them, they're all the same." You know, that's quite, that's quite a, a disheartening response, but I totally understand where it's come from. And it's come from rhetoric like that, that has just made people switch off entirely. You're a woman. Uh, some some people have said that the mayoral model itself that sort of attracts a kind of, uh, you know, it certainly attracts more men. Uh, and, and, the, and the kind of model of leadership is, is, is sexist. Well, how would you respond to that? In the sense that it kind of, it, it, it's a power thing. It's not... Something that has to be so kind of you know grassroots and collegiate. Um, I don't think it's sexist in its in its design of as, as a model, but I think it'd be amazing if we had a woman mayor. That would be fantastic. I'd love that. Um, I think the idea that we say that it's a sexist design suggests that women aren't ambitious, and I think um, they are. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think um, in, in my experience, I think being a woman and being a mother of two school age children was one of the reasons I was asked to join the cabinet. I think it's, I think it's important to Mayor to see, uh, to Marvin to see that representation of women, and I think he does have a good representation. And we've seen academics refer to this as well and see that a mayoral system has has definitely improved representation in both gender and race in 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 Bristol councillors, and we've also seen that echoed in the council staff as well in the offices. Um, and I think that's an important legacy that will be left behind by our current mayor. The leader has ultimate say. We have seen that with the arena and with, with, with other things. We've gone against a, a majority decision and you have to make sometimes unpopular decisions. Um, but you also have to have people around you sometimes that keep you grounded and disagree with you um, and tell you the truth. Does he have that around him? 
Yes, for sure. Um, I think there's within the cabinet, there's, you've got a strong, you've got a strong team there, strong voices, you know, they're not very shrinking violets, uh, generally the people in, in the cabinet and also in the office. Um, and, and we have our away days as a cabinet as well, where we go in and we discuss our policy in detail and have, and there's, there is an opportunity for discussion. And we have our labor group, um, councillor meetings, um, in which, there is the opportunity for the group as a whole, all 24 councillors to come together to talk about our policy and our direction of travel and to put questions to Marvin. And that happens every month. There's So there's about, you know, and, and we have a weekly cabinet meeting as well. Yeah. Okay, so, 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 so that's not been so there are there is robust kind of debate and there are people around kind of keeping ground. Okay, um, one of the one of the I just want to switch from that one of the because um, we got about five five minutes, we need to get a couple of things in. One of the um, uh, one of the arguments as to why we don't need a mayor now is the fact we've got a metro mayor. How do you respond to that? Uh, I think it's great that we've got a metro mayor and it's great that we've got a Labour metro mayor, but they have different delegations and different budgets. Um, it's a bit like saying a maternity nurse is the same as a mental health nurse. You know, they've got the same name, different jobs, different responsibilities, different delegations. There aren't many city mayors, though, are there, in the, in the UK, when we think of most of the kind of big guns, you know, from City Khan to Andy Burnham to Andy Street, they're all, you know, they're all uh, regional mayors, aren't they? Uh, the mayor of Salford is a city mayor. And that's they, one of, yes, one of nine boroughs of Greater Manchester, though, isn't it? The, eight, yeah, the, the, other eight, the other eight don't have a leader. Yeah, but they're also not cities apart from Manchester. I think it's part of the status of a city that um, that suits having a mayor model. You know, committee systems are more associated with smaller towns and villages and, and that kind of that kind of design. One of the uh, criticisms of the committee system is around the fact that, you know, there are, um, and there was a criticism of, of what happened, you know, here pre, pre-2012, where leadership just changed a lot and the leader doesn't get voted in and out by um, the general public. Um, is that going to be different now, though, with the fact that we have elections every four years? So, so actually, there is a bit more stability in political leadership under a committee system than there would be have been in the past. Well, I mean, we don't actually know exactly what what this modern committee system is going to look like. That would have to be something that is developed over time. We, you know, we don't know exactly the details of what it would look like, but we do know that the the leader of the council inevitably becomes accountable to that small group of councillors that elected them, rather than to the citizens of the city as a whole, and and. And that, that is the worrying thing is that then their, their decision making is skewed towards what will please that, that group of councillors who aren't generally representative of the city, let's be honest. And rather than to the people of Bristol. And so they aren't. Um, what they do you aren't mean by that? What do you mean by that? They're not representative of the people of Bristol. Well, I don't. I don't believe that. Like we've got as representative a, a, um, a, a group of councillors yet as we would like. When you look at the Conservative Party, Party councillors, that isn't representative of the city, is it? And might I, be representative of Clifton, or might be representative of Henleys, where they're the councillor for that ward. Well, I don't believe it is of of the city as a whole. When we look at um, what the ratios are, I don't think that. Yeah, but they're a councillor for their, their for their particular particular area, aren't they? Not for the whole city. 
with their one councillor representing an entire ward, I think it's way more democratic to be accountable to the, all the people in that ward and also the, the voluntary community enterprise sector and the business sectors and the faith sectors that work there and all the people that you work with as a mayor rather than just to that group of councillors. I think there's a lot of reasons why someone stands to be a councillor. I think there are there is a level of ambition and a, and a level, level of wanting more status and more say in how the council um, is run. And um, But then I think there's also people who just want to serve their communities as well. So there's a mixture. Mm. It's interesting on the one city stuff as well, because I think what's often banded around, my background is in, in community development, so I'm familiar with the, the third sector world, is that oft, often councillors, if they're being criticised, will talk about you know, well, I, I'm doing this on behalf of the community and I'm this and that and the other and re- represent, but, and, and being quite anti the, the, the kind of one city stuff. But if you go and talk to a lot of third sector charities, youth organisations and community organisations, they f- actually feel that for once they've got a voice and they've got a place at the table. Um, and so that's quite interesting because they can push back at that and say, because I mean, I know this myself and I've been lots of events when cancers will just turn up and to be frank, we'll just be wait for the press and have a photograph and then just bugger off. So they're not really the vanguard of, of of bleeding the community. Sometimes, not all, but sometimes as they make out. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make. And um, I think one of the, uh, uh, the the ideas of reforming the male role model and, and, and something that I hope actually will be taken forward, and I do think we are taking forward, is that we want greater decision-making power given to neighbourhoods within the city and, and, and to... To, to explore more of those learnings that we had from things like the Citizens Assembly. Um, I think we, we are taking that seriously. We've invested £4 million in a community resilience fund, which will be completely um, done through a deliberative democracy and participatory budgeting process. And I think that is uh, done under the, the VCSE sector um, and led by those organisations. And that, that that's how we design a new social reality, how we embed the learnings of, 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 of the Citizens Assembly and how we get a greater voice to communities. I mean, what Asher and, and, and Marvin have done for the city in, in regards to race equality is, is fantastic and it's a really strong legacy. But you look at the mayoral commissions as well, you look at CORE, the Commission for Race Equality, Disability Equality Commission, the Women's Commission and the History Commission. This is all about looking at equalities in the city and how we need to be reframing how, how we look at things and, and the, the lens that we view through. We've got Stepping Up, you know, that's an important programme for women and black and minority ethnic um, people to uh, have uh, opportunities to have leadership employment magistrates as well magistrates was another one isn't it that you've trained yeah, up yeah. 11 out of the 33 um magistrates are from um african and asian heritage and also the school governors that's the next one you know that ash is like headstrong and determined to so you've got to be proactive about this stuff you've got to be intentional and proactive and if you just sit and wait maybe maybe the old system didn't work Absolutely. And I think um, academics and the research has shown that as well, that this is what leads to diversity in, in leadership and representation. And it's just really important that we don't go backwards from that, that we keep moving in that direction and incre- increasing it and building on the legacy that's been created by the current mayor. So uh, business uh, has, I think, likes the, the one city approach. Business likes the mayoral model um, because, you know, like business people do, you know, sometimes things, if things are quicker and they can bypass the sort of bureaucracy and red tape of political process, they will. Business West are obviously quite tied to one city. Um, I couldn't get anybody from Business West to talk to me um, on these series of interviews. Um, Why do you think that is? I think they're being careful about uh, 
taking a a stance and what that what that looks like to people like if you come down does it actually uh, help or does it hinder um with, whether they uh, side themselves with um, a mayoral system or not You're hedging their bets are they i guess so yeah but i don't think they are as well i think they are i think they are campaigning in in their own way but um <laughs> It's, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's hedging their bets, but also, yeah, they have to work with, you know, they're committed to working with whatever system they're presented with as they should be. And it's, it's, it's about waiting to see how the chips fall, I think. But that's one of been one of the, I guess, the real uh, contentious points, isn't it? Depending on what your position is that actually um, business, uh, this, this city was stagnated, um, you know, it wasn't a place that felt open for business and now it does. And some people think that's great. Other people think that business gets a sort of free pass of it and sort of bypasses the, you know, the the, the sort of process that anyone else has to go through. Um, So I would have thought that really this debate is quite, you know, the the business community is quite central to the mayoral model. They wanted the mayoral model, the business West campaigned and were prominent in bringing, um, uh, bringing uh, a mayor model to the city. I'm just very surprised they don't feel they want to have somebody to talk about. Well, I do think they are campaigning actually, but just it's separate to to a Labour Party campaign, and rightly so. Um, but I, I do think um, it is. When you say campaigning, campaigning for one one side or or, or not? They're campaigning for pro mayor. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Are you, are you wanting a higher turnout? Will, will higher turnout help you, do you think? Or will a lower turnout help you? I'm a fan of... Well, I can't talk about wanting people to have democracy without wanting a good turnout. You know, I want people to exercise their right to vote. So I, I, I want a high turnout. I, I don't think we'll get one. I think it will be a low turnout if I had to guess. But of course I want people to come out and vote, you know, it's important and and it's important that people feel engaged and uh, there has to be an element of where we question it. Are we doing our jobs right? If people aren't engaged. Um, but, you confident? Um, yeah, reasonably. I, th- I think it's, I think it'll be interesting to see again. It just depends if people come out and vote. I think that's what it is. I think it's, it's getting people to come out on the day because I just think it is so low down on their list of priorities. Yeah. And, with that, and I guess I, I guess the, the the point within that is that who will it help more if it is a low turnout? My sense is it would probably help the and getting rid of something is an active vote like Brexit, isn't it? Yeah. So the lower the vote probably would help you. Perhaps I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably right. We've had, um, you know, I've, I've seen the green literature come through my door and it's it's capitalising on the phrase vote for change. You know, everyone knowing that people do vote for change, whatever that change may be and whatever the consequences of it, people like to vote for change. Um, so I think um, it, it, it is it is um, it is probably of benefit to us if, if there's a low turnout, but I don't really want a low turnout. I, I want people to come out and vote. Thank you ever so much, Ellie, for being so honest and uh, and sort of fair game in our conversation. Most appreciated. Thanks very much, Neil. Many thanks to Ellie King for putting forward her case to keep the mayor in Bristol. And we will be back next week with a different perspective and a new guest on Bristol Unpacked on what will happen with the mayoral referendum. 
Thanks for listening to Bristol Unpacked. I'm the presenter, Neil Mags, and a big thanks to Afra Evans, our audio editor, Adam Cantwell-Corn, our executive producer, and Blue Dot for our music. <laughs>